If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. This is the true story. True story. Seven strangers <laughs> picked to live in a lie. This is the true story of one podcaster picked to live in an apartment and have his voice taped to find out what happens when he stops being polite and starts going heel. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, baby. This is the heel world. What is up, everybody? Scott here with another edition of the heel world. Just when you think that the world of professional wrestling cannot get crazier, that there cannot be more news and rumors and stuff to talk about, it just, I don't know, it just goes up about 14 levels from there. Um, Big week all around um, with everything going on in every company. Doesn't it seem like, I mean, how long ago does Double or Nothing and uh, the MJF scandal feel? Um, Feels like we're 10, 20 news stories since then. All the injuries and all the Forbidden Door stuff and Stephanie McMahon and Sasha Banks and Naomi. And now this Vince McMahon stuff. Um, Yeah. Uh, I got quite a few questions from you guys over at patreon.com slash challenge mania. And uh, we're going to talk about all of those things. Um, why don't we start with the, the Vince McMahon stuff? Because um, middle of last week, story comes out. Washington Post? No. Wall Street Journal. Right. Wall Street Journal comes out with uh, an article, a story, saying uh, Vince McMahon is being investigated internally by the board um, due to a uh, relationship he had with someone, a staff member, I believe they began as a, I've heard this talked about on so many podcasts. I could, I feel like I can recite this from memory. I apologize if I get, get any of the facts wrong, but, um, I think I've got it. So, um, relationship that Vince had with a paralegal, um, I guess some sort of a romantic relationship. Some might call it an affair seeing that he is married to Linda, but I've heard him and Linda are kind of married on paper only. So I don't know that this is necessarily something he's doing, you know, and he's hoping Linda doesn't find out, or this is something Linda might hold against him in a future divorce or something. I think him and Linda are keeping up the marriage for appearances sake and without psychoanalyzing it at all. I, I just feel like there's, there's too much involved uh, negatively for the stigma of them getting divorced. So they're probably just, you know, marching to the beat of their own drums and her trying, of course, to make it in politics and, and Vince being Vince. So, um, 
and the McMahon family name having so so much to do with WWE that I think, you know, why not just, you know, keep the ship afloat uh, for appearances sake. So anyway, Vince apparently has this relationship with this woman, a, a younger woman, a paralegal. Um, and then she is then, I guess, promoted, if you will, to uh, John Laurinaitis's assistant, I think, and gets a raise from $100,000 to $200,000. That's something I think they're investigating, whether that came with any sort of, I don't know, any sort of tie to this relationship with Vince or potentially John Laurinaitis as well. Um, I guess it was an NDA that she signed and got like a $3 million settlement just to not talk about the relationship with Vince. Um, and I guess Vince paid for that out of pocket. And, and now this investigation is going to see if anything in addition to that uh, makes WWE or Vince liable um, for having you know used funds. He shouldn't have used this, that, and the other thing. Either way, story doesn't sound great. Um, it's putting a microscope on Vince and uh, WWE that uh, has been on there many times before, but you know, not really so much in the social media era and in the Me Too era. Um, not that I'm suggesting anything Me Too wise necessarily is in play here, but obviously, you know, it's a different world than you know in the early '90s and other times where Vince has been um, being investigated. Not necessarily for things like this, but when there were rumors and stories of of him maybe being involved um, with a lady or two as well. So, so this feels kind of new, even if it feels familiar at the same time. Um, they then a day or two later announced Vince would be stepping down from the role of CEO and chairman, but will be maintaining behind the scenes creative duties. So I think from a wrestling fan's perspective, um, his involvement on the creative end is what affects us as fans and pundits and podcasters. Cause, um, we more or less care about the product. Um, I think the chairman stepping down as chairman and CEO is more of like an appearance thing, more to affect the stock price and to, you know, show that they're doing due diligence for this investigation and not showing favoritism. Because remember, Vince holds a lot of the cards here. He has a lot of the voting power. Um, and so he kind of had to do this voluntarily, which he did. Okay. But then later that day, they announced he'll be appearing on SmackDown. Um, People question whether this was to boost a rating, whether he was going to like flat out start like telling his side of the story here. We had no idea what to expect, but I'll be honest, I tuned in, um, watched it. He came out at the beginning and uh, kind of, you know, mumbled and stumbled through this very, very brief speech in which he said, you know, the WWE slogan says, uh, then, now, forever, and the most important part, together. Welcome to SmackDown. And every time he talks now... Um, you know, you, you really get, I mean, look, when you look at Vince, you get a sense of how, you know, he's, he's getting up there, but when you hear him too, his voice is uh, it's so gra gravelly and, you know, even, you know, he's, you can tell he's definitely still with it. And, you know, if you heard him on say the Pat McAfee show, like he can, he can talk and he can think that the voices, you know, and this is a guy who is known for WrestleMania three. And, you know, you know, you hear me at the beginning of the podcast doing my Vince impression. He's, you know, years and years, I think of screaming and whatnot have obviously caught up with him but so I, you gotta wonder why this was done like was this done to show that people are supporting vince because they cheered him was it a flex like you know you're not gonna take me off my show was it like a final goodbye if you will i don't know what it was um i personally think it was really weird and um something that probably could have only happened in the world of wrestling like i, I don't see this and everyone has made the uh comparison to succession that like this story is just like straight out of season four of succession 
Um, and a lot of the things they do in that show, you wonder like how much of this would happen in the real world and how much of this is because these characters are also absurd and it's being written for HBO. And similarly with this, it's like, I mean, if this happened in any other world, would someone who's under investigation, stepping down from a, a primary role, then go on TV and give a rally speech, an unnecessary welcome speech? No, probably not. The only other person I could think of doing this and I will spare going down this route is, is like Trump, right? Like I could see Trump doing this if he was, you know, um, removed from something I could see him, you know, going out there that day and doing something similar. So, um, yeah, I mean, I tuned in SmackDown was good otherwise. Um, but yeah, wrestling is, is being plagued in a lot of ways with things that are obviously not a great look. Um, obviously have people talking, but then the stuff that would maybe distract you from that, um, the, the matches and the creative, I mean, the, no favors are being done in that regard. You got a lot of injuries. Um, WWE bringing back Brock Lesnar on Friday to, uh, I guess, wrestle Roman Reigns at SummerSlam. I'll tell you what. I don't know if I'm going to SummerSlam. Um, part of me wants to. I'm going to be in Nashville. Um you know, booked Challenge Mania Live Nashville uh, for the purpose of being there that weekend and ideally going to SummerSlam. It is the 30th anniversary of SummerSlam 1992. I don't think much is being done to honor that show because I think that will maybe be maybe come into play a couple months later when they go to Cardiff and do a show in the UK. Um, not with the SummerSlam name, but um, but yeah. So I thought it would be cool to go to the 30th anniversary of SummerSlam 92. Um, but also like Starcast is in town and the the um, final match of Ric Flair's in town. There's other stuff. GCW has a show Friday night. But but as far as like going to Nissan Stadium Saturday night, which is like going to be a schlep, um, and I'm not a huge fan of stadium shows. Like I like you know I'm going to wait and see how this card gets put together. But I just I wonder is it going to be one where I am chomping at the bit to be in the building for it. We already know now it's Roman and Brock. I could not have less interest in a program than Roman and Brock. So, and we know like Randy's out. We know Cody's out. Um, Money in the Bank will be at this other pay per view. You know that would have been a cool thing to have maybe on that show. Um, rumors are we're getting Cena, but against Austin Theory. Who? No offense, I could I care very little about in that in that slot. So. Who knows? I know JB John Brennan really wants to go. I'll probably make a game time decision. Um, it's impossible to like sit close at a show like that based on the way the the pricing is structured. So, you know, kind of a seat snob. I don't, you know, so I don't know. I'll say, I'll say this. I'm not very excited for SummerSlam. Um, but Riddle and, and Roman had a great match on Saturday. I mean, on Friday, um, shouts to Matt Riddle. He's one of my guys. Um, but we'll talk about some of the other stuff going on in the ring. I wanted to start with the Vince stuff. I got some questions about the Vince stuff I'll get to here because I don't want it to permeate through the entire episode. But um, Mike Agostino says, and by the way, shouts to everyone I met at New York's Challenge Mania this past Saturday in general, but also those of you who mentioned that you like the heel world or, or mentioned even that you watch wrestling. I uh, informed a few people of the heel world on Saturday. So shouts to you guys. Um, I had some AEW trading cards on me I was handing out. So shouts to everybody uh, that was there. Mike Agostino, does Vince find a way to skate through another scandal relatively unscathed again, or do you think Vince, this time Vince is in too deep? I think it's less about Vince and more about the times, right? Um, 
because I think that because because this doesn't necessarily feel like the worst of it because it does feel like when you read the when you read hold on one second I have a little sippy coffee when you read that read the vague particulars that we're getting at the beginning of this cycle you know it sounds like he did kind of cross his t's and dot his eyes here with the NDA and you know um you know, who, who knows, maybe it's Laurinaitis who, who gets the fall here. And um, I wouldn't be surprised if Vince kind of did enough on the surface legally to not be like guilty of anything. You know what I mean? Um, but does this story just put him on the like, does it put him under the spotlight to a degree where people start relitigating the old stuff? start discussing the the man and some of the older practices that yes, maybe back in the day he managed to skirt out of. And is the decision made that for instance, like does he get through this one, but does this kind of open up Pandora's box and does like the company Vince included, do they decide like, Oh, it's for the best of this property and this company and for the future sale of this company and the value of this company for maybe me to not be the face of this company anymore because of the damage it could do in that regard. Like, does this get the people thinking about Vince, thinking about the company in a way that certain people have thought of in the past, but not everybody and certainly not like front page news and like CNN had Dave Meltzer on last week to comment on this, right? So like obviously a guy like Dave has already known some of these stories and a lot of people listening to this might know some of the stories of WWE's past and things, but the average person reading a newspaper doesn't. The average person buying a stock doesn't. Um, And the average person's perception of WWE is not tied to that stuff. That's why when something like the Dark Side of the Ring last year comes out and you hear all these things about Ric Flair that 9 out of 10 diehard wrestling fans already knew, the other you know 90 out of 100 that are privy to it after that show are, you know, wow, we need to do something about this. We need to cancel this guy. And, and, and you see people like Tony Khan, who I think was going to maybe bring in Ric Flair, reconsidering, even though Tony obviously knew about the stuff covered in that doc. It just frames it through a different lens. So with this... I'm wondering, is this framing Vince through a different lens? Is this framing the company through a different lens to the point where they, after this, say it is for the best to not have someone who clearly uh, people are going to have the ability to do some digging and thinking about and And also, I think we'll see in this interim period with Stephanie at the helm, no pun, no pun intended, the Helmsley, um, you know, we'll see, does, does that much change, you know, and, and Vince is still right now behind the scenes in a creative role. So if he can maintain that while not being chairman and CEO, and if the stock price remains the same and nothing that different happens and, you know, Nick Khan's already running a lot of the business stuff and, and, you know, you you wonder, would it cause more harm than good to reinstate him at some point? I don't know. Right. JP Mayer says with Stephanie now in charge, do you see a big change happening? No, I don't. I think it's figurehead only. I think it's placeholder only. I think they chose Stephanie because she's a woman, I'm going to be honest. Um, This scandal and this story obviously has a woman at the center of it, one that's probably not going to be talking much because she signed an NDA. So I think putting a female face on the company is not the worst idea in the world. I mean, what's crazy about this, John Williams asked this, John Williams says, do you think there's any correlation between Stephanie stepping away from her role recently before this came out? Um, 
I mean, it's hard not to see some. I mean, the coincidence, you, you hear that this story has been developing for months and that the company has known for quite a while this was coming. So you wonder, is that why Stephanie stepped away? Um, and is it possible that the decision to have her step into the CEO role was came you know was a last minute thing that maybe they decided hey you're the only person who it makes sense to do this with and so she reconsidered did she step away to be put in that role I don't know I mean that's the aspect of it that feels very successiony to me right because if you watch Succession like they're constantly you know at odds with each other and trying to also like ruin each other's reputation in the press and this and that but then the next episode they're best friends and I'm talking about like the siblings and also the father and the kids and things like that so. The idea of like, because, you know, part of the Stephanie stuff was they were trying to kind of blame her for things or so rumors said that um, when she was ousted, it was kind of Vince McMahon's call and whatnot. So would you have done any of that if you knew later on you were going to have to anoint her acting CEO? Probably not. Um, so it's all very, very, very weird. Um, and I assume we'll, we'll learn more at some point. Maybe not, but we'll, we'll, we'll probably learn more at some point. Uh, John Williams says again, if Vince leaves, who do you think and who do you want to take over creative? What changes do you think WWE will take going forward? I.e., during the steroid trials, similar uh, during the steroid trials, smaller wrestlers were pushed, or like after the Benoit scandal, the wellness policy came into effect. So, okay. Um, Hmm. I mean, I think, again, I think a lot of the changes, you know, in the culture and stuff have already kind of taken effect. So it's like, again, I, I think that this is one of those things where. You know, this is something that seems like it was a few years ago. I don't know that this is very reflective of like today. This is something that women are like being mistreated and whatnot in the company. I think this is kind of something that's retroactively coming to light. And I do think if the end result of this is the ousting of Vince McMahon, I don't know that like policy wise, this is going to like reflect like how executives treat, uh, you know, their um you know, uh, there are fellow employees afterwards. I don't think that that necessarily needed that much of a massive upgrade. Um, I mean, from where I sit at least. Um, and, and if it, if it gets one, I don't know that it's necessarily because of this and more so just again, because of, ch- of the change in the culture over the last few years. Um, and we don't know to what degree he was committing malfeasance, you know, um, depends where you sit and, and how you, how you think about this stuff. Like, is it just inappropriate in general for him to be fraternizing with anybody, uh, you know, under the, the roof of the company's banner? Maybe, you know, uh, but if he does it on the up and up, does that make it okay? But also kind of weird and creepy also maybe. So, um, as far as what changes do I think going, going forward? I mean, the big one, as I said, for us as wrestling fans is if he, steps out of the creative role. Now, if he steps out of it in title alone and he's still kind of pulling the strings, does it make that much of a difference? Maybe not. But if there's a way to actually change the culture there creatively, that could be good. Um, I, I do think it would be nice to have somebody who has a bit more of a vision behind the book. Um, that being said, in the last year or so, it seems like decisions have gone in the other direction. It's become even more Vincey and more Brucey and NXT obviously got taken away from Hunter. And, you know, there was a short period where Paul Heyman was running raw and then that was kind of taken back from him. And although Paul's still there as a performer, he's not in, in control at all creatively, at least past him and Roman or him and Brock and the guys that he really liked, Buddy Matthews and Malachi, like those guys are in AEW now. So, um, you know, I will say like, you know, it, it will be interesting. Who do I think or who would I want to um, have creative control? Um, it's interesting because it's, it's kind of hard to say. He, here's what I'll say is that I think a lot of people 
who would be smart and and get this stuff and have some good ideas have even worked there in the past, but they've only worked there in a certain capacity and they're there to like be a function of Vince's final say, you know? So I think they already have people like, I think they have Shawn Michaels and I think they have, you know, Aria Davari and, you know, Joe Hedegg or, or Tyson Kidd. Um, they have people backstage um, and I think a lot of the people who were writers at one point but have since left because they didn't really get the chance to do anything like uh, Kaz, uh, who's on the Masked Man show, and uh, Court Bauer, who obviously is probably never going back. Like, If these people just had the keys and weren't just in a writer's room and just told sh- to shut up when Vince wants to you know, do whatever he's going to do anyway, rip up the script, I think even those folks I think could have some damn good ideas. Um, you know, I think some of the, some of the agents as well could maybe you know get thrust into that role. I think Paul Heyman is a great choice. You know, back there, I think he kind of gets it. Um, although he has been, he has been backstage at WWE for so long that I even feel like he's starting to drink the the WWE style Kool Aid to a certain degree. Um, but but again, as much as I love AEW, does WWE need to be trying to match AEW creatively and you know booking wise? Uh, I think they could learn a little bit from it, but you know, maybe it's good to punt on that stuff to a certain degree. Um, so yeah, it's hard to say. It really is hard to say. Um, but I think there are a lot of good creative minds out there. I mean, look, you hear the fantasy booking that goes down on podcasts and stuff. <laughs> so it's like if the average wrestling fan can come up with these great ideas. I am sure that that wrestling fans or fans that are working within the business could do so as well. I just think it's always been Vince having those Vince goggles on and being the final say that keeps the show from feeling like, you know, this certain level of, you know, spontaneous and, and, and real and gritty and modern that, that I think us adult fans especially would appreciate. Um, Mana Marie says, do you think John Laurinaitis is also doing some crazy ish? I seen his name mentioned with Vince. I think the rumor is that maybe this woman was, was uh, passed off to John Laurinaitis to work for him. I don't know if they got romantically involved. I do think John Laurinaitis is married, I think, to the Bella's mom. So if he did have an affair, I think that would be like an affair affair, not like a Vince and Linda affair. So that would be weird. Um, And I do think, you know, he's not a guy that's very well-liked, you know, so I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, he's very well-liked by Vince, but, you know, he does end up taking a lot of blame for a lot of things talent relations-wise. So... Uh, wouldn't be shocked if, ironically, relations are what ended up being his final demise um, over at WWE. All right, I got to take a commercial break. When I do, I'll come back. And when I do come back, I will talk uh, more about some of the other stuff going on in wrestling. Ric Flair's last match coming up in uh, Nashville and uh, AEW Forbidden Door, which I'll be attending this Sunday in Chicago. Tickets still available for our show. Sunday fun day, only a handful. If you want to party with me and Jamie Murray and Brad Fiorenzo, get your first crack at tickets to Challenge Mania Live Chicago on Labor Day weekend. Come hang out and then go to Forbidden Door. It'll be a good time. All right, here we go. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. (laughs) 
Chumba. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. Back here on The Heel World. Going to talk a little bit about Forbidden Door. Going to kick it off with a question from Joe D, because I was going to get to this topic anyway. So Joe D says, how are you feeling heading into Forbidden Door? Is this card worthy of the hype? I have said on social media um, quite a bit over the past couple of weeks that I am not very happy with the build for Forbidden Door um, or the card yet. Um, obviously, I can count on no fingers the amount of AEW pay-per-views that, in my opinion, didn't deliver. So I fully expect, you know, Sunday, going to be a great show. Everyone will be happy they ordered it, you know. But... That's not the same thing as, you know, what's on paper and the build and being excited about it and things like that. And like, are all these matches earned and, and whatnot? So um, I think Tony made a couple mistakes here. This show was put on sale a few months ago. We're doing a Forbidden Door. Um, you know, we're doing a show with New Japan, June 26th. And when you saw that date, June 26th, a lot of people I think went, oh, wow, that's close to uh, Double or Nothing. Double or Nothing, I think, uh, Memorial Day weekend. Uh, I think it was like literally less than a, a month before. So we'll call it a month before. You know, the, the, the AEW is used to these three, four-month builds to pay-per-views, um, which I think are a little long, but, you know, they do really help for, for getting the ball rolling on a lot of these cards. And although some matches do develop late, a lot of the matches on these shows have three, four-week builds, or you know what's coming, you can at least sense them coming. A match like Wardlow and MJF, of course, was not was not formally confirmed until the Wednesday or Friday or whatever it was before. Um, but doesn't matter because you knew for months that was coming for, for Double or Nothing. Tony made the decision to not start the build for any of this Forbidden Door until after Double or Nothing. I think that was a mistake. Um, I think there's ways to build for it even without giving away the outcomes of the Double or Nothing matches. Um, I think especially given the dynamic of that it involves New Japan players that aren't even in the States. Like you have the, I mean, it would have been so easy to say whoever wins Page and Punk is facing Tanahashi at Forbidden Door. You know, like why wait? Now, granted, of course, there are a lot of injuries here that have kind of thrown some monkey wrenches into the plans. Fine. But regardless... It would have been nice to start hearing some of these New Japan names beforehand because you've given, I mean, I am a pretty big wrestling fan. You know, I'm hosting a wrestling podcast where I talk to myself. Um, and I'll be honest, I'm not the, I'm not like the most caught up New Japan weekly viewer, but I listen to a lot of Meltzer. I listen to a lot. I hear a lot of names. I know most of these names, um, you know, and I, I have people I'm excited about and people that I don't know as well. But even someone like myself, like you're dumping a lot of names and people on me all at once. You know, like I'm not I'm not like 
that familiar with Aussie Open or with this guy who is tagging with Moxley and Yuta now. Like, you know, um, even the guys I am familiar with, I'm not super thrilled with the build, super thrilled with the the booking of, of who's getting who. Um, so let's look at this card. Um, if I could pull up a card. Um, all right. So main event, Moxley and Tanahashi. He, I love the lure of Tanahashi in name value and in theory, but, um, and I know, you know, Meltzer, especially, um, he, he really praises Tanahashi as being a smart wrestler. Um, like a, a thinking man's wrestler working smarter, not harder, all that good stuff. Um, and I think that that's great and all I've just never really like, I mean, in my mind, I've, I've, I would have loved, I think him and punk would have been, would have been like a good fit. Cause punk also, you know, I put into that category. Moxley's kind of like this bruiser, this brawler. And, and so to me, although this has been a match that's been rumored for a long time, and I think a lot of people are very excited for it. I kind of have to talk myself into it a little bit more. I'm not like the biggest uh, fan of this matchup chemistry wise. I hope they both prove me wrong. But so obviously it's for the interim world championship. It gives a little bit of meaning. Uh, I think it'd be interesting if, Ma- if Tanahashi won the belt. So we'll see. I doubt that happens, but um, we'll see. Um, this match, interesting that it was added because it involves no New Japan talent. It can't. They don't have women. Um, of course, they, they do have uh, Stardom, the female company under the same umbrella, but it looks like they're not involved in the show. Thunder Rosa versus Tony Storm. I think we got to put the belt on Tony Storm. I hope this is a good match. I hope they get time. And I hope they keep it the only women's match on the show because give it some time. Have it be the only women's match on the show. Not, I know this is me saying, but, but, but look, look we're, we're doing a co-promotion with a, a company that doesn't have women, so that's why. Um, but I think really feature and highlight that match. Have it be second or third to last. Let them have a banger. I would love for Tony Storm to win the belt there. That could be a lot of fun. Um, okay, then we have this fake title that's just been announced. Talk about build not working for me. The idea of introducing a new belt. They have way too many belts, okay? The idea that introducing it with this, like, hodgepodge tournament uh, where some of the winners are telegraphed because you have a guy like Penta who's already been announced as not being able to compete on Forbidden Door because of his involvement in AAA and there's some stuff between CMLL and New Japan and this and that or whatever it is. I don't really get it, but... So we've got Malachi Black. I'm already penciling him in. Uh, we're, I'm penciling in Ishii, who's probably going to win his match. And then it's Miro and Pack, And again, because it's a tournament, we've got to wait until the last minute to finally know who's going to be in there. We'll probably know by Thursday. So it's probably Pack, Miro, Malachi, and Ishii. It should be a really great match, though. So I'm, I'm, trying, I'm trying to get excited for it. Um, I just wish it's not like a lot of New Japan representation. It's like three. Great. It's going to be a, a cool match and a great match. But I would have almost rather seen Ishii versus Miro in a singles. And then I would have rather seen, you know, Malachi and Pack and two New Japan guys in a four-way, I think, would have been cool. Um, trios match. This one I really don't love. Um, okay, sorry. So I, I misspoke before. It is Eddie Kingston, Wheeler Yuta, and Shota Umino versus Sammy Guevara, Jericho, and Minoru Suzuki. Really don't – I mean, this is we, – we've got already Blood and Guts next Wednesday – this is essentially Jericho and Sammy versus Eddie and Wheeler going into that. And then you got two New Japan guys in Minoru Suzuki and Shota Umino. Not a huge fan of that booking, I'll be honest. Um, winner take all for the – this is rumored, I believe. Room, winner take all for the IWGP and Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championship. Um, the United Empire 
and uh, Rapongi Vice and also FTR, I believe, are rumored to be involved in this match. Um, so, or maybe it's just FTR versus um, United Empire, which I believe is Great O'Con and Jeff Cobb. I'm not that familiar with Great O'Con. I am a big Jeff Con fan, uh, Jeff Cobb fan. I, here again, I'm not this excited for this. I'm just not. I just it's a lot of familiarity. Rapongi Vice to me I already feel like AEW guys. So uh, I would have loved to have seen, for instance, uh, I would have wanted to see like Gorillas of Destiny versus FTR or something like that. Um, I'm, I'm not loving that booking either. I'm sorry. Speaking of booking, I don't love. All right, so Will Osprey to me in the running for best wrestler in the world currently. Uh, for those of you who. those of you who are not familiar with Will Ospreay. Um, he, to me, is 2022 Shawn Michaels, or as close as you can get to it, um, but with a 2022 moveset. Um, he you know, used to be a light heavyweight. He's kind of filled out into a heavyweight, but still, for the most part, works part of the match like a, li- a light heavyweight, a lot of high flying, but also really hard hitting, just great selling. He's awesome. I mean, again, he is, to me, if you told me he's the best wrestler in the world, I don't complain with you at all. I say you're, you're probably right, okay? He could be wrestling anybody here. He is wrestling, I would say, an AEW original in Orange Cassidy, but I'd much rather see him against Pac or against Jungle Boy or against Darby or against Phoenix, who now we know Phoenix can't be on the show, so maybe not him. Um, so here's what I'll say. I fully expect this match to over-deliver. I expect it to be creative and innovative and there to be a lot of cool stuff. And, you know, Orange always surprises you. And it's almost like when you're a little bit like, huh, Orange Cassidy, that's when he really turns on the Jets. So I'm saying it right now. I bet you this could be match of the night. But just booking wise, I really was looking forward to seeing, you know, Will Ospreay versus, uh, you know, someone someone who felt more dream matchy. And that one that one doesn't really. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. couple of matches that haven't been announced but we're expecting are potentially... Brian Danielson versus Zack Sabre Jr. That, to me, would be dream matchy, so that could really save this card. I am really hoping 
that Brian Danielson has been medically cleared, and if so, that match can get put together because that I think would help save this card a little bit. Um, and then the world title match, the IWGB title match. I mean, it's, it's going to involve probably Jay White, Adam Hangman Page, probably Adam Cole, and now rumors are not Okada, which I mean just boggles my mind. Um, I will say that match does not feel as fresh and as, as cool as, like, say, Okada versus Hangman would have been, and that's kind of what they first teased. So to not have that, I think, is a massive downgrade. Other names I'm, like, worried we're not going to see. Like, where is uh, Takahashi? Where is Shingo Takagi? Where is Naito? Like, these guys need to be on the show for me if you're doing a, a New Japan uh, crossover show. And um, there's a couple shows left here, Wednesday Dynamite, Friday Rampage, Maybe we'll find out. But if those matches aren't added, those names aren't added, I will say I'm a little, a little disappointed. I am. I, and, and, I, and I know that this could be a recurring thing, and hopefully we'll get more of them. But uh, I think you need to come out swinging with the first one. So, look, selfishly, I'll be there. I, I'm obviously hoping for, like, a dream card, and so far it doesn't look like one. I'm hoping it – it's going to be fun no matter what, okay? But um, I was hoping it was, like, one of those, like, oh, my God, I'm so jealous you're going kind of things. doesn't feel like that. I'll say that. Um, all right. Couple questions about Sasha Banks here, who is also rumored to be leaving WWE. Um, this uh, kind of came out last week. I don't know in tandem with the Vince stuff, but like around the same time, it was started to get rumored. Um, we have a couple questions about Sasha. Amanda says, "Do you think WWE is really going to release Sasha? Also, do you think Tony would want her? Yeah, I mean anybody would want her. Um, she does seem a little bit difficult to work with, I'll be honest. But, um, I mean, huge star, huge star power. She's on Star Wars. <laughs> no pun intended. She's on Star Wars. Um, but uh, I don't know. I, I think that uh, I think she'll probably take some time away. I don't. She doesn't feel like she would want – I don't know. I feel like she would maybe feel like AEW is beneath her, if that makes sense. Um, I think she might try some Hollywood stuff. But I think, yes, Tony would definitely want her. If I do, I feel they're going to release her. I think that they might, especially now. Like, is it a great look, like holding a, a woman, you know, hostage for lack of a better term, against her will and extending her her contract when she doesn't want to work there? Um, it's not the best look, but do they maybe work in and non compete with AEW? Probably. So, Joshy two times said, "How much big picture impact would Sasha have joining AEW? Early AEW struggle with depth in the women's division. Well, I think they still are struggling with the women's division, even though it has depth now." Over the past year, they've added some nice underutilized WWE talent, but Sasha would be the first big female name. Thoughts? Yes. Um, I think they have just a bigger issue there. You know, um, you can add all the Sasha Banks that you want, but I don't think they have a great uh, time booking the women's division over there. And I don't know what could help. I don't know who could help, to be honest with you. Um, but they need a new set of eyes. They, they just, I don't know what they need, but they need somebody. You know, booking that because they, I think they already have some really great talent, um, a variety of female performers there. And other than Britt Baker and Jade Cargill, I don't know that they've successfully made anyone. Uh, they have a lot of women who can go. Um, I just think they haven't done a great job. Like a Ruby Soho, I think, you know, um, just, you know, and now Tony Storm, I hope we don't see it again. Thunder Rosa had such great potential. Now you see it kind of being executed poorly. So um, I think Paige Van Zandt has a lot of promise there. Obviously, she's just getting going. I think Soraya, I believe is how you can pronounce it, because Paige, she won't be able to use the name Paige. You know, we know Sasha Banks will be able to use that name. So what will she call herself? So I think, yeah, she'd be great there. But again, it's more about how you, I mean, do I think that Sasha Banks just coming there, just no questions asked means their women's division will be minted and made? No, I don't. I think you need somebody who knows how to book it. Um, 
And so that that's the bigger problem than having the stars because I think they already have the talent. And, you know, I think that uh, someone like Sasha could be gravy on top of it. But I think, um, you know, and it's not about the matches. The matches are good. You know, it's just about the booking and the timing and the fitting them into these cards and this already bloated roster and who you give the TV time to. I mean, something's just not right. Something just doesn't make sense. You know, it's they don't... They don't do a great job utilizing the TV time, building the feuds. Um, there's just something missing there on the women's end. And I think it really, I think it's a trickle down from you already have a bloated men's roster and you're trying so hard to be able to, you know, showcase all this talent, build all these storylines. Now you're bringing in New Japan, all this stuff. Then you're adding a, a, you know, I have a second women's belt here. And then you're trying to like kind of, you know, build these two female stars while also building contenders. And the, I don't know. I just, I, I, something is definitely getting lost in the shuffle there um, on the women's end. Um, something I haven't really talked about on the show because there's been so much other stuff going on, but Ric Flair coming back for his last match, also doing it in Nashville. They're doing a roast to Ric Flair. They're doing StarCast. A lot of cool stuff for people to go to if you are coming down for Challenge Mania Live Nashville. There's a lot of wrestling stuff to go to. But they have not announced who his last match is going to be against. They have just announced that since they sold so many tickets, they're moving into a bigger building. Um, but yeah, whose last match, who's it going to be with? Rumors are that uh, Ricky Steamboat already already turned down a spot to like be in the tag match. Uh, rumors are FTR might be involved. We know Tony Schiavone is going to be doing commentary. So um I don't know that I needed this, but I will say I respect respect wholeheartedly the businessman that is Conrad Thompson and everything he's doing with this weekend and the merch and the branding and this and that and the Jim Crockett promotions and stuff. So if you haven't looked at it, go to StarCast.com. They have so much cool stuff going on. Um, the roast and the panels and a couple uh, Matt Cardona and uh, Brian Myers will be there. Um, shouts to Matt, by the way, getting over a bicep injury, but still out there cooking and booking. Um, yeah, but Ric Flair, I think we should know by the end of the week who's going to be wrestling, so I'll talk about it next week on The Heel World. Next week, I'll also have a full post-mortem, full show review of Forbidden Door, match by match. I'll go through the whole whole card because I will be there. Should be a, a, a historic event, even if the build hasn't been great. Um, but yeah, I think if you could do it again, maybe don't position it where he positioned it. And I know some of that had to do probably with building availability and stuff and being able to get the guys from Japan and the States and whatnot, but... Maybe don't position it so close to the you know previous pay-per-view, but if you are going to do that, just have the blinders on with the double or nothing and start the New Japan build a little earlier because this one really got the short end of the stick and you're really cramming a lot of build into these last few weeks here. Then you tack on the injury stuff, which obviously you can't control, and it's just made it for a mess of a build, in my opinion. So a lot of messes in uh, wrestling these days. Hopefully you didn't have a messy weekend. Hopefully if you were here in New York, you had a good time. I enjoyed meeting and seeing a lot of you, and I will meet and see a lot of you again this Sunday. Tickets still available Sunday, fun day. Go to challengemania.live. Um, then we're putting tickets on sale for Labor Day weekend, which should be all-out weekend. Um, you can get tickets for that at Sunday, fun day, and then after that, they'll go on sale on Patreon, then they'll go on sale at challengemania.live. All right, everybody. Uh, Hit me up. Let me know your wrestling thoughts at Shout of Yeager on Twitter. Email me, challengemaniapodcast at gmail.com. All right, everybody. Peace. Scott Yeager sucks, and he's a complete piece of shit. The Challenge Mania shop is open. Head over to challengemania.shop today for the best way to support the podcast while looking good doing it. New designs and items added every few weeks. Maniacs, time to mobilize. Check out challengemania.shop today.